Welcome back to the Todd Duncan Podcast. This is where success happens. A member of the industry syndicate, Todd's goal is to transform your business and life through deeper connections, higher trust, and proven strategies to help you win and give you your best life ever. Hello and welcome to High Trust Coaching Live. I am Hope Foreman. I'm Divisional President of High Trust Coaching. And I have with me one of our certified High Trust Coaches, Dave Brown. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Hope. Good morning. Uh, so today, Dave and I are going to go deep on a couple, two of the laws of the high trust selling. And if you're not familiar with high trust selling, um, this is something that's foundational to our teaching, to our coaching, and to our business practices. So the two um, laws that we're going to be covering today is the law of the broom and also the law of the bullseye. So the law of the broom talks about to build your business up, you must first clean it up. And the law of the bullseye says, which states, if you don't aim for the right prospects, you're likely to do business with any prospects. So, Dave, these are your topics. So tell me, why are these laws two laws important? Well, the, the, the law of the broom is important because if you're not operating uh, an efficient business, then uh, according to the high trust model, you're just working a lot harder than, than you need to be working. So the law of the broom talks about getting rid of inefficiencies and just creating a, a business model, a business plan that is just more conducive to doing higher volume, if that's somebody's goal. Um, the law of the broom, uh, or excuse me, the law of the bullseye is um, about really who we are choosing to do business with. Mm-hmm. And I will say that's a really, really hard lesson for loan officers to learn because there's this mentality for most salespeople that more is more and, <laughs> yeah. and more is, is not always more. Sometimes yeah. uh, less is more. And just because somebody has a real estate license, as an example, does not mean they qualify to be a partner. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, people that don't do a lot of business can be huge time drains and take us away from being uh, a lot more effective. So, it's about you know targeting high quality people and not choosing to do business with just anybody because they happen, like I say, to have a, to have a real estate license. Right. You know that's such an important conversation, and I don't know about you, Dave, but it's a conversation I've been having a lot with some of our coaching members. Um, just recently, we were having a conversation yesterday with one of our coaching members, one of our master level coaching members. We were having a conversation around a client that um, that is a past client business. They've done business together for you know for many years, and this particular client wants to do a construction loan. And this is not something that you know my my client does construction loans, but not that often, maybe one or two a year. They're very time consuming. Um, and they are, you know, at best, you know, <laughs> at best they, you know, they're labor intensive. And um, we were kind of just having the conversation. It's like, Hope, do I do this loan for this, for, you know, do this loan and, and take up, you know, t- uh, you know, the time and energy and an investment of time that I myself and my team would need to do to do this loan for this client. Um, and, um, and basically step away from, you know, maybe five or 10 other new pieces of business that I do much, much quicker. And we did decide to do it for this one client because he was a past client. 
So he is serving, he's serving his, his, you know, his uh, database of clients and his past clients. So we are going to do that one transaction. But if somebody came out, you know, off the streets and said, can you do construction loans? It would be a referral. So it was a great conversation for us to have to kind of decide to make that decision is for past clients. Yes. Um, but for any other business, this is not really my, my primary source of business. Yeah. And I, I think there's a, a difference in, in terms of, our, our clientele, you know, there's kind of that old school ABC uh, clients and, and the A's are what we're really talking about with the law of the bullseye is those folks yeah. that are doing, you know, the lion's share of the business out there. That doesn't mean we won't take business from mm -hmm. the B's and the C's. It really is more talking about who we are investing our time in and, and money. Uh, willing to have more of that partnership. Uh, I, I just... You know, I, I have a realtor as an example that I was chasing for a while and uh, we did a little bit of business together, but I, I really came to the conclusion that she wasn't doing the type of business that she used to do back in the day. Mm -hmm. And um, very nice lady, but, you know, I kind of made a decision that she wasn't really going to be in my top tier of realtors anymore. And so she wasn't getting the love and attention because there's only so much of us to go around. Right. And uh, out of the blue, she called me and we just closed the transaction. So, again, you can um, you can still work with folks that maybe aren't top tier. But we're talking about where are you spending your time and your energy? Who are you investing in to help them and their business? Mm -hmm. Because, uh, again, we can't be everything to everybody. And that's largely what these two laws are, are talking about is, you know, really working uh smarter and not just harder mm -hmm. and more strategically and more intentionally. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And, and I think there's also a, a mentality with, with loan officers that they need to embrace is that, you know, is this person qualified to work with me? Yes. Um, and, and so that we create more of a, a, an attitude and a mentality of where we are in demand instead of on demand and and that we're not just going to jump you know when a realtor calls us at you know 9 30 on a on a saturday night when they suddenly need a pre-approval letter you know that's not a partnership thank and, you and, and a partnership is you know an agreement of expectations and certainly making sure that we're meeting needs but um it it's it's more reasonable um and if you're doing business proactively and correctly they aren't going to need a pre-approval letter at 9.30 on a Saturday night because I've trained them otherwise how to do that so that we aren't ever running into that. Yeah, I have. I had a very similar conversation just like that um, yesterday, um, where I, um, you know, originate in you know in a, an affluent market as do you. Um, it is a highly competitive market as do you. And in, you know, in Southern California and, you know, I would work with top performing agents. And that was my conversation is this is how I work. I work four and a half day work weeks um, by Friday noon. If you don't have pre-approval letters, marketing, market updates, everything that you need for anybody that's getting in your car this weekend, you can call me on the weekend. That was that was the agreement, and and it worked out really well. It worked out tremendously well. So absolutely. So Dave, you chose these two topics: the law of the broom and the um, law of the bullseye. How do you feel as though these two are 
inter intermix with each other? So, you know, Todd, Todd um, teaches something that when I first heard it, it, it kind of was a rewiring of my brain a little bit. And it was that, you know, whoever told you that to be successful, you had to work a certain number of hours a week. Sure. And as you know, we have people in the high trust environment. Um, my former coach, uh, as an example, who she does not work a 40 hour work week. And she does, you know, unbelievable volume. Mm -hmm. She works less than a 40 hour work week because mm -hmm. she's built a business yes. that is not entirely just dependent on her ability to show up and, and perform every day. And one of the key metrics that we look at in coaching when we're helping our members is their dollar per hour. And, you know, I would say one of our top goals in coaching is to help our members increase their dollar per hour. And you can do that in a couple of ways. You can make the same money and work less, or you can make more money and work the same or less. And so, that, so that's what we're trying to help people do is, is to leverage that very valuable commodity that we all get 24 hours a day of, and that's, that's our time. And so these two laws, I think, when they are implemented correctly, help people live a more balanced life because that's, you know, we, we talk about... Uh, more than just um, the mortgage business in coaching. Yes. You know, we're trying to help our folks, you know, succeed in all areas of their life. And if they're, you know, killing it in the mortgage business, but they're working 80 hours a week, well, then their family is suffering and their health is probably suffering and, and their personal life is suffering. So, you know, these two laws are imperative, I believe, to have balance while you still have success in your life. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I can't agree with you more, Dave. I know when I get on a call with one of our coaching members and that we're going over the metrics and we're looking at the hourly rate and they tell me, hope I'm working 12 to 14 hour days, you know, my heart kind of drops a little. You know, it always kind of, my heart kind of drops a little and thinks, oh, I'm, I, I'm sorry to hear that. What can we do? What can we do to, to minimize that to where you're going home at least? I know that it's busy. We know that we have, you know, that it's literally, you know, um, but, you know, we're having record months and record, you know, production and rates are fantastic. They're going to continue to be so um, at least through the end of the year, based on the forecast. And I'm seeing how can how can I get you home at least two nights a week at five yeah. o'clock? Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's that's where I think coaching can come in with, you know, little little nuggets of. of and I'll give you a couple of examples. Sure. Number one is um, uh, a concept called one timing where we talk to our loan officers uh, about, you know, what are the things that you are doing on a regular basis over and over and over again that you can uh, do what we call one-timing? And I'll give you a, an example. Um, perhaps a certain type of email that you need to send out on a regular basis to your clients, create a template so that you're not typing the same email every time Mm -hmm. And you can send that, you can send that out one time. Videos are great ways of doing one time. I mean, we talk a lot about using videos in, um, uh, in coaching. I know uh, Linda Davidson shared, you know, whenever she did borrower consultations, she created a video way back in the day, even when it was a VCR. And wow. the borrower would come in, she'd sit him down in the office. First thing, play the video that answered 
the most common questions that she found that virtually all of her clients had. So that way then when, so they'd watch that 10 minute video, she would go do other work. Then she'd come in and meet with them and she wouldn't have to answer those questions as the, at the start of the conversation. And she could get into other aspects of working with that borrower. So there, there's just lots of things we can do, I believe, to, you know, use our time more efficiently and, you know, be home timely so we could spend that time with our families. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, I think that's, that is probably one of the biggest pluses of being in coaching and having a coach is that you're slowing down. If you're in the weeds and you're in the, and you're in the, and you're in the midst of things, you're not going to stop and get a little creative. You're not going to stop and work on your business. You're just going to keep driving. And so you get on a coaching call with one of our coaches and we have this conversation. We're like, okay, well, how can we, how can we section off a couple of days? What are you, what are you one time? What are you doing? You know, what do you find yourself doing or emails that you're writing two or three times? How can we one time that in a template, you know, and that type of thing. And it's just 30 minutes of let's just dial this in and see if we can't help you win um, and can, and, and get a little bit more life balance. Right. Yeah. And you know, another, another time killer uh, on that, uh-huh. that we talk about a lot and Todd talks about this in uh, mastery and he talks about it in Academy and masterclass is the time dream that email has become. Oh and there are, there are, there are techniques and things that we can do where the email isn't gobbling up so much of our day. And I think the average loan officer out there, if they actually looked at it, I bet half of their day is reading and responding to emails. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if they're doing that, then they're not building their business. They're not doing the three things that, that Todd says is where a loan officer should be spending their, their green time. And that's uh, either uh, meeting with a borrower, meeting with a partner, or working on operational excellence. Mm-hmm. That's where a loan officer should be spending 80% or more of their time. Otherwise, you know, they're they're honestly, they're relegating themselves to the position of a loan officer assistant or a processor, which, you know, isn't going to help them with their dollar per hour. So uh, then you get into to discussions on building a team and what mm-hmm. to look for in a team and how what that team can do for you and so forth. So let's let's get into that for a minute, Dave. Let's talk about how we coach and how these laws would be applied to uh, building a team, hiring the right people, bringing them on. What does that look like for for you, Dave? Well, you know, first of all, I think you you need to talk about what the what the expectation is. You know, I, I think in in today's world, and it depends on the environment you're in, whether it's a bank or a broker or a, or a mortgage bank, because they're all a little different. Um, what the criteria is to, to to have a team and how many loans you can fund per team member. I think it's it's probably somewhere between uh, a loan officer should be able to fund five to eight loans a month on their own without a team. Okay. If, if they're consistently doing that, they're probably starting to hit their head on that, that glass ceiling and mm-hmm. they need to start thinking about bringing on a team member. Yeah. Um, and, and that first team member should be a, a traditional loan officer assistant that is doing everything that isn't those three things that we talked about a minute ago, mm-hmm. so that they can spend more time marketing, prospecting, loving on their clients, their partners, uh, enhancing their business and, and so forth. So, um, you know, in terms of looking for uh, a team member, 
there, there's lots of different methodologies for doing that. And, and there's some things we do help our, our members in terms of how and where to find uh, those team members, what to do once they're on board. Mm-hmm. Uh, the um, uh, uh, website that is part of coaching has some great loan officer assistant uh, training uh, uh, information in there. So I think there's a lot of value that coaching can bring to the table in helping somebody bring on that person, how to interview uh, for that person, what to look for, what not to look for, and then what to do once they're on board. Yeah. One of, one of the things that's so true, Dave, and one of the things that I kind of find, and, and it's almost it's almost um, consistent in the very first thing that I coach to is that a lot of uh, loan originators, when they're looking to hire a loan officer assistant, they have a tendency to look for someone like themselves, which is really may not be that, you know, may not be the right approach. You're looking for someone that's going to do that's spectacular at the back office, spectacular customer service, spectacular at the details putting a, you know, beautiful file together, you know, pre-underwriting, pre, you know, pre, you know, pre, pre-qualifying. And, um, and so I always have a little bit of a hesitancy. And I think that some of our loan officers sometimes forget how long it took them to really learn the mortgage business. So when they're hiring someone and they say, well, they don't have any background or experience in the mortgage industry, but I can train them. I have to, I tell them that's kind of a slippery slope because how long did it take you to really get your arms around the mortgage industry? What would you, what would you, what do you think, Dave? Yeah. You know, there's two schools of thought on that. Um, there, there's a school of thought that, you know, some, hiring someone with, with experience is, is almost an, a necessity. Um, but I also know, again, referring back to my coach, Teresa, um, her team is largely built on people that were not in the business. Mm-hmm. She brought them in, she trained them and she really looked for attitude first. She will, she looked for that willingness to serve that ambition, that drive, that desire to be excellent. And then she trained them on the mortgage business. And mm-hmm. it's probably a little bit longer road. It's a long road. Up, but she has now, you know, has this incredibly uh, effective and loyal team. Um, yeah, I, I, so I guess it kind of depends on the person and, and how, you know, how critical it is that they get somebody in. You know, all things considered, I, I would lean into experience uh, pretty, pretty, pretty strongly. And then one last thing that you said, and that is we don't want to hire ourselves. Thank you. Know, you. Most, most loan officers are, uh, you know, in, in this personality disc assessment, we're high I's and we're high D's. And we really want that high S and that and that high C, you know, that analytical person, that person that doesn't need to be uh, front row and center that doesn't need to be the life of the party, that's, uh, you know, just real detail oriented. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's often not what a loan officer is. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, and it's just, and it's just normally it's, it's, you know, we help, you know, we help go through that process. I know that, you know, uh, you were speaking of Teresa earlier and, you know, it's one of the things that she does when she works with our coaching members is she's, you know, she's basically coaching them on the right person. We're doing, you know, for master level coaching members, we'll do a disc profile and do that walkthrough to make sure that they, they are that person that is that perfect fit. And boy, when it is, it's magic. And whether they have experience or not. And I think that's the only thing that I, you know, just really want to. I mean, it's, there's nothing wrong with hiring somebody that without the experience. It's like you said, it's a longer road and you just need to be prepared for that. 
and be willing to have that level of patience in working with that person and getting them up to speed and getting an, an understanding, which traditionally I would say six to nine months to get a foundation, Dave. Yeah, at least. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of moving parts in this business now, like you said. And I think yeah. a lot of us, we underestimate how much is just now, uh, you know, we take for granted that we know it just because we know it. Right. Um, but you know, it, it does, it does take a while. And then, you know, one more thing I would mention on, on this topic and you kind of touched on it and that is the idea of working, uh, on your business instead of just in your business. Mm -hmm. And with that, that segues to this idea of time blocking. And, you know, that's one of the things, uh, Todd teaches us that we teach our members is how critical and important time blocking is. So you're working from a proactive approach instead of a reactive approach. Mm -hmm. Time blocking doesn't mean you have to have every minute of every day blocked out. It just means that we show you how to take the high priority items and make sure those at the very least are in your schedule, that you mm -hmm. still have margin to react as you need to react because stuff's going to come at us and we have to have some, some cushion to be able to do that. But we're making sure that those very high priority items of reaching out to our partners, of reaching out to our database, uh, of, of giving uh, timely updates on, on loans in process and things like that. Make sure those are scheduled in. And even, I mean, myself personally, I, I actually have a time block item that says work on my business. Because I love that. If I don't, then I continue to keep doing things the same way. And at least I'm asking the question, you know, what does need work? What does need tweaking, fine tuning? What do we need to do a little better or differently? Um, and, uh, it's just, if nothing more, it's a reminder to not get complacent. Yeah, it's so true. So you actually have that time blocked in your calendar on a weekly basis, Dave, once a month, once a week. What does that look every, like? Every Wednesday. Every yeah, Wednesday. Every Wednesday I have a, I have a note. And, and, and part of what that means, honestly, is I pull out my notes from Academy or masterclass. And I start looking at some of those ideas that I wanted to implement that mm -hmm. I don't want to implement. Cause as we all know, when you go to those, you walk out of there, even as a coach and though we're there, you know, to help and facilitate, we're also learning and growing ourselves. And we all come out of there with, you know, 80 gajillion uh, ideas and things we want to implement. And, you know, so I go back and look at that and decide, okay, what, what's the next thing that I need to implement that I haven't yet been able to do. Okay, so let's I'll put you on the spot a little bit. What was one thing that you've kind of implemented, let's say the month of June, um, that's kind of new? The month of June, that's kind of new. Um, you, you know, I, I got a little, um, because it got crazy in March and April, and, you know, that's never really an excuse, but it did. I mean, it, it got out of control. Um, I got off track of doing my videos. And um, so I just recorded two videos yesterday um, and I'm recording um, another one today. And, um, you know, uh, along those lines of videos, uh, just a, a quick thing is have fun with them. It doesn't always have to be all all business. I'll just give you a little preview of the one I'm going to record today. Okay. Um, I can ride a unicycle and I'm going to ride a unicycle in the video today and I'm going to use that. But but into I'm going to say something about the business with the unicycle and it, it's just, it's, it's something fun, but 
Videos are, are uh, a wonderful, wonderful tool for expanding our presence um, and um, uh, letting people know that you're out there. So I would say, you know, re-engaging in video is probably one that um, I've done in June. Yeah. You know, I have to tell you, I've been listening a lot to um, Chris Voss. He's uh, he's a he's a he's a trainer, but he was a former FBI FBI negotiator. So I've been listening to his conversations and uh, over the last couple of days. And one of the things that he talks about is that the key to the best negotiation in any and he says because we're always negotiating, even in a conversation we're negotiating, is to make people smile. And so I think that that video is going to make people smile. <laughs> You know, I did, I actually did a video, a unicycle video about three years ago, and I got a ton of, um, a, t a ton of feedback on it. And a lot of people like, wow, you really can ride a unicycle. And uh, my marketing coordinator, uh, who works for me actually mentioned, she goes, you know, you haven't, you, you, that was about three years ago, you did that unicycle video, why don't we redo it? Um, and so that's, we're actually doing that today, right after this call. That's fantastic. Well, I can't wait to see it, Dave. So right. you know, I'm going to segue just a little bit here because we're coming up on our half hour a little bit. And I want to, you know, I want our coaching community and the high trust community to get to know our coaches, which is why we changed this format a little bit. So Dave, you're a highly successful producing manager. Um, I believe that as of May, and I haven't seen your most recent numbers, your June numbers, but I think as of May, you and your team closed 135 units. Is that about right? Uh, is that annually or 135 units year to date? Uh, I would say at least. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Okay. At least yeah, I, I, I was going as a, I think about a month ago. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember I sent you that info. Yeah, exactly. That, that right. Info when we were doing a different interview, um, you know, you're in an affluent market, you're in Orange County, California, which is a highly competitive market. And you've been in the business, you're well, you're seasoned, you're savvy, you've got, you know, you're very successful. Why did you decide to become a coach? Why high trust coaching? How has it impacted you and your life? And, and let's talk about coaching for a minute. So, you know, I, this was not on my radar at all. Um, somebody threw my name into the hat that, that knew me and, and high trust reached out to me and, and we had a conversation and, um, you know, as I, I, and I thought about it, it wasn't an immediate, Hey, yeah, that's great. I, I thought about it. And, and obviously I concluded that I wanted to do it. And, and I came up with three reasons why I wanted to do it. Number one is, you know, this business has been very, very good to me and my family. And I thought, you know what, if I could throw a little bit back. And help some other folks. That that would be nice and and fun. Uh, number two is uh, I love the idea, quite honestly, of being around people like you and Todd and the other coaches. That um, you know, association is very very powerful. The you know the I heard a saying one time that says, "Show me the people you hang out with and the books you read, and I'll show you the person you're going to be five years from today." Yeah. Sure. Um, and, and so that the attraction of that um, awesome um, association. And then um, lastly, it, you know, from a little, maybe a little bit of a selfish uh, uh, mode was it, it helps me keep my sword sharp and um, that there's, you know, constantly things that I'm learning still by being in the business. I mean, the, the greatest athletes on the planet have coaches, uh, you know, Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson have coaches, great tennis players have coaches. Why is that? Well, people have coaches because 
they can perform at higher levels with a coach than without a coach. It's just a fact. Um, And so that is why I decided to, to be a coach. And it's been a, it's been a great ride. And I um, am just grateful to be part of this, this gang of coaches and, and Todd's ecosystem. Yeah. Well, you know, Dave, I can't tell you how much we value you. I mean, you bring you bring such a, a you know, a, a wealth of knowledge to us every day. You bring, you know, you bring your your core values, you bring your your calm voice, you know, to the calls. And um and I and I just love having you on the team. I couldn't be prouder to have you as part of our high trust coaching faculty. So I just right now just want to thank you so much um for all that you do and for being a part of us. And we're coming up at the end of our hour. Is there you know, for in, if anyone is interested, two things I want to make sure if you're interested in talking to one of our coaching, one of our coaching consultants. Feel free to get a free coaching call. Go to hightrustcoaching.com and schedule a free coaching call with one of our coach consultants. And um, the last thing I do want to make sure to mention is that I am looking for new coaches. High Trust Coaching is continuing to grow in Canada and Australia and all over the United States. And so, and, and you know, that's kind of a very important, it's not just a coach. They have to be certified in high trust selling. They have to be graduates of the High Trust Selling Academy. They have to be, they have to have a heart like Dave's and um, and really want to be invested and give up some of their, you know, important time to, to give back. So if you're interested, do again, go to High Trust Coaching or just send me an email, hope.org at hightrustcoaching.com and we'll get you we'll get you dialed in and do an interview to see if you qualify awesome well thank you for the kind words hope i appreciate it and i'm humbled and privileged to be part of the system all right dear thank you so much and thank you everybody for joining that's the end of our broadcast today thank you so much for joining us and we have an amazing day have a gorgeous week and um go out there and win thank you again thanks everybody bye-bye This is Todd Duncan. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Did you know that Elon Musk has a brain coach? If a billionaire entrepreneur who's redefining the automobile and space travel industries has a coach, I think everybody needs a coach to become the best version of themselves. You may not have dreams of launching a rocket into space, but if you wanna take your business and your life to the next level in less time with less stress, I encourage you to schedule a free coaching call with one of our certified coach consultants today. It's absolutely free, and I believe it's the opportunity you need to have your best life ever. Visit hightrustcoaching.com or click the link in the show notes below to schedule today.